Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This episode is brought to you by Accenture Interactive. Greater experiences start with reimagined consumer experiences. Visit AccentureInteractive.com to see how we're combining creativity, strategy, and technology to make businesses healthier and consumers happier. That's AccentureInteractive.com. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. It's the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, advertising, pop culture. It's in the end. Everything's an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm an editor with Adweek.com. With me as he is each week is Tim Nutt, our creative editor. Tim, welcome back. Thanks, David. And we've also got back frequent guest on the podcast, producer on the podcast, and senior editor on the brand marketing beat, Christina Monlos. How are you, Christina? I'm mad at brands. You're That's how I am today. What's to be They all waited to reveal Super Bowl news. Yeah. It's all at once. I don't know. And I'm mad at them. Surprises Ugh. are nice. Brands are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've also got uh, from our visual newsroom, uh, art director Diana McDougal, uh, GIF master, all-around visual ninja. Diana, we, have we had you on? The, we've had you on before. It's just been a while, right? I know. This is my debut. First what? time. Oh, man, that's criminal. All right. Well, belated apologies, but super excited to have you on. We've got a lot to talk about today. We are talking uh, branded and visual storytelling because we've got our Adweek ARC Awards winners that we recently announced. We're going to talk through some of those. Uh, that's kind of our biggest honor for storytelling and marketing. Just a hot topic all around. And man, we are just going to flood the zone with Super Bowl updates. Uh, there's, you know, despite Christina's understandable, uh, you know, uh, frustration with how long it's taking some of these brands to let us know what they're doing, and we certainly haven't seen much of what they're doing. But man, do we have a lot of updates on who's going to be in the big game and what they're going to be advertising? So, uh, yeah, well, let's get to it. All right, here's the news. Okay, well, like I said, we are devoting the whole news section today to Super Bowl updates. Uh, we got a lot now right before um, we started recording. Uh, we got another one because this news is breaking all the time. I'll go ahead and give a big plug up front to Adweek's Super Bowl ad tracker, uh, which you should dig up. It's easy to find on the Google. And uh, just make sure you keep an eye on that page because we track everything. Put all the updates right at the top, and you can sort it by order, by brand, if you're into such things. Uh, it's a very cool little uh, tool for following what's going on with Super Bowl. Uh, Tim, tell me about uh, Verizon. So Verizon's coming back, I believe, for the first time since 2011. Uh, wh what do we know about that? That's right. Well, we don't know a lot a lot about the spot at all. We just know that they haven't been around in a while, and a lot of wireless carriers have been on the game. Uh, T-Mobile has done multiple spots in in a number of, of Super Bowls in a row recently. Uh, you probably remember Sprint did an ad last year from Drogo 5 with a guy faking his own death uh, to get out of his, out of his, uh, I think it was his Verizon contract actually. And so, uh, yeah, Verizon hasn't been in the game in a while. Uh, in fact, the last time they were in was 2011 uh, 
when the guy who's now the sprint guy uh, was still their spokesman, uh, which is kind of kind of crazy. That's how long it's been. Uh, but we don't know a lick about what they're going to do uh, in terms of creative. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, sounds like we'll probably have a bunch of uh, wireless carriers uh, in the game this year. Now, uh, Pringles is doing their first Super We've got several first-time Super Bowl advertisers. Pringles is going to be in there uh, with an ad starring Bill Hader. Uh, they've released a bit of a like behind-the-scenes kind of interview with him. The ad is going to be about flavor stacking, which I'm just sure is the hottest trend among kids. When they're not eating Tide Pods, they are stacking <laughs> flavors of Pringles. Uh, Christina, I guess I've got a basic question for you. I mean, is Bill Hader, like, really a big deal? You know what I mean? Is is he really the kind of celebrity you would hang a Super Bowl ad on? Yeah, I love him. <sighs> I think a lot of people love him. His Stefan from SNL is, like, that's that's enough. You see Bill Hader, you think of Stefan, and you're happy and excited to see <laughs> what a comedic genius will do. That being said, the idea of stacking different flavors of Pringles not only sounds disgusting but wasteful, and I'm not here for it. <sighs> the whole soda mixing thing that teens do, not good. Tastes gross. Uh, I'm assuming stacking chips, same deal. Diana, do you disagree? Uh, I don't. I don't know if I would ever have the capital to buy multiple Pringles containers to stack them all together. That's a lot of buying things. Did you guys watch the uh, teaser with Bill yes. Hader? I think it, in there, there's the uh, it, it tells why he was involved, at least. At the, lo- the very last little quip he gives, he says, uh, more people will see me in this than in the last three movies yeah. I made. Yeah. I'm actually on his IMDb right now, <laughs> and that is true. I fact-checked it. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that, that's my point. It's like, it, Christina is totally right. The Bill Hader is a great, I think he's a great voice actor. I think he does really good characters. But he is just such an empty vessel as a person. Like, he's just so generic. Uh, like, I'm not insulting him. I, I think he's he's. Uh, uh, did you just say I'm not <laughs> insulting him? Because that sounded like an insult after, after you said that. <laughs> I mean, no. Empty vessel. No. I mean, offense. he's like you know any great voice actor. Like voice actors, when you hear them talk, they're just they have like the most normal voice because then their range is what makes them you know. And he is kind of in that vein of he is not a character of himself. And so even in that teaser, I'm just like, yeah, Bill Hader. He's a dude you recognize. Um, but if he's not in character, he's just a dude you recognize. But. Yeah, I mean, this is his first Super Bowl ad, um, but there's been no shortage of SNL mm. people in the Super Bowl. You know, like Will Arnett did the Hulu stuff a few years ago. There's been so many SNL people. And I do think that they, they bring this sort of like likable, generally positive, funny thing that every Super Bowl advertiser kind of wants for their spot. I think, I think yeah, he's going to be this choice. year's person that you have to explain to your parents like who it is and then your kids have to explain someone else to you. It's it's life's beautiful cycle of Super Bowl ads. Uh, <laughs> it's formulaic. It's certainly formulaic to have an SNL guy pitching like goofiness first. All right, staying in the in the chip category, uh, Doritos and Mountain Dew are going to be in the same ad. Uh, now they're owned by the same company. They're both owned by PepsiCo. Uh, they're going to be in an ad uh, created by Goodby Silverstein. Um, the it's it's a weird one, man. This is maybe the weirdest. Uh, Peter Dinklage is going to represent a new flavor of Dorito called Doritos Blaze, while obviously Morgan Freeman will represent a, a new flavor of Mountain Dew called Mountain Dew Ice. I'm I'm equal parts like excited and really just expecting this to be a train wreck. Uh, anybody else? <laughs> like, how should we feel about <laughs> They're this? They're calling it Face Off. 
And if we're going to revisit like Nicolas Cage versus John Travolta, that kind of storyline, very excited, though, um, both CM- both brand CMOs were like, no one's face is going to be ripped <laughs> off and put on another off. person's face. <laughs> very sad about that. Um, but So this is Peter Dinklage and classic combo. Classic combo. Right. Sure. Probably the best tall man, short man combo since Yao Ming and Mini Me from the old Apple PowerBook. Wow, look at you with the callback. Yeah. Do you remember those? Cut. Like 1993, <laughs> yeah, maybe? Yeah, do you remember that, Christina? <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys, I was three years old so i hate it when tim like references i was older than i was older than (laughs) wait i think it was four it depends on what time of the year it was anyway no no this is why we never discuss things from from uh before the 2000s i don't like being reminded (laughs) how old we're getting some of us um okay uh so that one gonna be crazy what's interesting is doritos uh obviously did the crash super bowl for 10 years with their consumer generated content uh and then stopped and i think like sat out the entire thing last year right Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, then, uh, which, yeah, that was just kind of funny. Um, and then Mountain Dew, uh, of course, was back in 2016 with Puppy Monkey Baby from BBDO, one of the most disturbing and debated and polarizing Super Bowl ads. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what uh, what Goodby does with this one. So should be interesting. Squarespace has become a regular there. I think they're in their fifth consecutive year, and they really do a lot of stuff with celebrities in really interesting ways. This year it's going to be uh, who was it? Who was it last year? John Malkovich, right? Malkovich, yeah. Uh, Spot last year won the Emmy Award for the best commercial of 2017, which is kind of bizarre because I don't think it was the best commercial of the year, but certainly um, did well. Did yeah, well enough kinda, it, for them. Isn't it funny when like something that doesn't even make our top ten ads of the year? Like it didn't, right? It didn't make our top ten ads. Yeah, no. I mean, they they do that pretty. The Emmy voters have a weird view of what's yeah. creative. And yeah. Interesting. I mean, I think that statement uh, goes far beyond the ad world. Yeah. Just to clarify. <laughs> yes. I mean, well, uh, Squarespace was also the uh, Jeff Bridges hypnosis. I mean, like sleeping audio, right? Yeah, they did like sleeping yep, tapes with sure. Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And they've done some really fun celebrity stuff. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the Malkovich one, but uh, Keanu Reeves is going to be the star of this year's spot. And I thought this was a cool tidbit that Reeves is actually a Squarespace customer uh, that they used. I mean, I don't know about him personally coding the site, but like his uh, his he has a startup called Arch Motorcycles, uh, and they used Squarespace to make their site. Uh, so I'm guessing that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, kind of like Squarespace's deal is like almost everyone that's an endorser of theirs uh, has used the site. I think that was true with Malkovich. Like he he started a fashion label last year and the whole site was built on, on Squarespace. And so they, I think they've also used uh, Alex Honnold, the, uh, the mountain climber um, who also uses the site. So they, I'm not sure if they sort of retroactively get these guys to use their their site uh, to build their own websites, but um, that's that's always a key kind of component of, of what how they're pitching it. When we were talking to them about Reeves, they they said it was he had already done it. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a new. I believe thing. that. If they're I a teaser that. image tells us anything about the ad, then the ad should be very cinematic. They send us a gigantic image file, very cropped in on Reeves' face. This was like an 8,000 pixel wide image. They're so proud of it. The details are wild. Uh, So I don't know what to expect, but it's going to be dramatic. Keanu is also one of those celebrities that 
is kind of Super Bowl. He just feels like a Super Bowl, a good Super Bowl choice. You know, like a guy who's not necessarily in the public eye that much anymore. Um, and so you, you kind of trot him out and it's, oh, it's Keanu. We haven't seen him in a while. Like, let's pay attention to this, you know. But it's also like yeah. the internet loves Keanu. Sad Keanu. Right. Being, That's true. Being the main thing. Right, so he's kind of a me- he's like meme friendly. Yeah, this, this whole conspiracy theory of yeah. like immortal Keanu that... You know, that he's like, they, they find all these <laughs> historical paintings of people from the, over the centuries that look like him. And like, you know, that he's this modern, modern <laughs> Dracula. All right. Um, fun fact, and we can edit this out for time if needed, but fun fact, uh, a dear friend of mine, uh, his mother ran a bookstore in San Francisco and while they were filming Sweet November, Keanu Reeves allegedly because, you know, I got this from my friend, um, allegedly came into the store a lot and tried to hit on his mom by um, reading her poetry. It, w- it, would, it would work on me. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, who is that, like, famous poet? It's, it's whoever that, like, super sappy famous poet. Do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> like Walt Whitman? What do you know? <laughs> N- no. Um, <laughs> oh man, this is gonna bother me. Robert Frost. No, Sappy loves stuff. Sappy loves stuff. Sylvia Plath. Well, all right. Well, this is a. I'm gonna marinate on that, and then later in this episode, I might shout out whoever this. <laughs> we're gonna. Poet we're is. just gonna drop in a fresh audio clip at the end where Christina just injects it at the last minute in editing, where she just sounds brilliant and like she had all of her stuff put together on the go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Stella Artois is actually uh, two things with them. They're, they're back for the first time since 2011, uh, which seems to be a recurring theme. Uh, and they also have already released their spot. I believe, the, Christina, am I right? They're the first brand, as we record this, to have released a spot. I mean, it's, it's the kind of blah spot that no one's going to talk about. That is so why a not perfect summary of the strategy. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is a... It's a fine ad. It's like they partnered with Matt Damon. It's a fundraiser for water.org. If you buy a limited edition Stella Artois chalice, which I love that it's called a chalice, uh, then uh, the proceeds go to help provide clean water in developing nations. Um, Since it's the only one that's been released yet, let's go ahead and listen to a few seconds of it. Such a simple thing. Clean water at the turn of a tap. Like magic, takes no time at all. And yet millions of people in the developing world walk up to six hours every day for water. This chalice... I can't believe he calls it a chalice <laughs> in the spot. Like, like they've been calling it a chalice forever, and, and they've just been getting, you know, ridiculed yeah. for that. Why doesn't he call it a glass? Yeah, it, 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 it kind of seems to be a break from the, like, the tone of the rest of it. It's like, let's help these people who have to walk six miles for water by ordering this chalice. <laughs> I mean, literally five years ago, um, do you remember that Stella put up that outdoor ad in New York and it just showed the glass and it said, it's not a chal- it's a chalice, not a glass. And then Newcastle put an ad up right next to it. And that headline was, who uses the word chalice? <laughs> the answer is Matt Damon. Uh, all right. So it, you can expect to see and then probably promptly forget that one. Uh, it's kind of... 
one point I would just like to make about that ad, which is you can you can do altruistic advertising and make something interesting. It's entirely possible. To- totally agree. Maybe try that. Yeah. Right. It's just a lot of uh, what looks like stock footage of people walking so far to get water. And then Matt Damon in a kitchen with a T-shirt yeah. saying, yeah. bye, chalice. Yeah. The problem is if we give it a thumbs down on the, um, during the, our live coverage of the Super Bowl, people are going to be like, mm. you guys are yeah. bastards. Yeah. Can we just ignore it? <laughs> I have no problem. I mean, no. no. To Everyone else will. The point, though, is that sometimes an ad, I think the most controversial decisions we make are, are when we kind of pan the creative that has a good heart but it has poor execution. But I have no regrets on that. It's just like, whatever. I mean, you could have done anything with this. You didn't have to make it an ad. Um, and yeah, you know, good on anybody for using their space to do something good. But I, I think Colgate, uh, I, I honestly don't remember if we how we felt about this on the review, but wasn't it, wasn't it Colgate that did the water um, ad where the faucet's running and then a a little kid from like a village comes up, starts drinking from it. That's memorable. Like I've always remembered that ad. Um, I've already forgotten Mm -hmm. the Stella Artois. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's worth mentioning though, that Matt Damon does a pretty good job getting water.org to partner with a lot of folks. Like he's done a ton of different, um, you know, Mm -hmm. like partnerships and good I mean, on him for doing that. I mean, he certainly use the good yeah. press. Well, yeah, I know. That's, that's the other thing. Like, he's not exactly at his, at his peak popularity yeah, Jamie. at the moment. Is he a co-founder of Butter? That, I, I don't have that fact on hand. But what I do have is the name of the poet from before. It's oh, Pablo Neruda. You, Pablo he's not Neruda. cheesy. Well, okay, he's a little cheesy, but... Um. I think the uh, if, first If world Keanu Reeves was reading you Pablo Neruda in a bookstore, wouldn't you be like, this is this is a bit much. This is something. This is... Uh, I, I don't know. I don't I know. I think I could probably roll with it. All right. Um, the <laughs> Speaking of, I'm just going to kind of jump because we're talking about how you use... Um, you know, nonprofit kind of messaging and using your commercial space in the Super Bowl to save the world. I think an interesting twist on that, and uh, terribly so, was back in 2011 when uh, Groupon uh, had an ad featuring Timothy Hutton talking about the majestic nation of Tibet and uh, all the struggles that it had gone through. And then it immediately cut to him in a Tibetan restaurant saying, but at least you can eat this tasty food with a Groupon deal. It was like maybe one of the most tone deaf ads of all time. I get what they were going for, but man. Man, what a disastrous! Uh, Tim, do you remember the the? Can you summarize for us the backlash of this ad? Uh, swift and brutal. <laughs> uh, I think it was I think it was CPB did that uh, did that spot. And yeah, I mean, wow, like absurd, really, really bad. And they they took a hit from it. I mean, they I think they later cited that their business took a serious Gr- hit from that. Groupon did? I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And they had like two other ads in that campaign that ran, I believe, before and after the game, uh, which were a little less, you know, a little more innocuous. I want to say it was like Cuba Gooding Jr. talking about whales. I'm just going off memory here, but like. um, Yeah, you're right. And so, you know, those were fine. Like the joke was fine. But Tibet is like such a polarizing political issue, you know, when you've got an entire nation basically occupied. so, yeah, just just poor form. But anyway, Groupon coming back to the Super Bowl. I can't remember if I, I brought that up as the news hook here. Groupon's coming back for the first time since that ad. Uh, they've obviously been running uh, quite a few ads in general since then. Uh, Christina, you were telling us before we started recording, you were talking about kind of how this came about. Uh, can you uh, tell us that story again? Yeah. 
Um, so in July, I don't know if you guys saw this Jimmy Kimmel clip, but basically Tiffany Haddish was promoting Girls Trip, which is an excellent film. And she was talking about being on set with uh, Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith and how she mentioned to them one day that, you know, um, she had bought a Groupon and she was going to go and see a Cajun swamp tour. Um, Given that the Smiths wouldn't know what a Groupon is, they thought that when she said Groupon, it meant that she could bring a Groupon to her uh, Cajun uh, swamp tour. And the idea of her going, you know, alone on this swamp tour, you know, they were like, let's go with you. (laughs) Uh, And so she essentially brought them on a tour with a bunch of budget shoppers like herself. And, uh, you know, her telling of the tale is a thousand times, if not more than that, better than what I am doing right now. Um, But, you know, she was on Jimmy Kimmel talking about this, mentioning Groupon several times. And it's one of those clips where you can just watch, like, like it feels like you're watching a star is born like she completely takes over Kimmel's show she is like non-stop talking for probably seven minutes telling this entire story and he's just sitting there laughing because she's an incredible storyteller now if you had that like free press essentially wouldn't you be like hey Tiffany Haddish, will you be our new spokeswoman? I'm really glad that one, Tiffany Haddish is in the Super Bowl, and two, that Groupon is doing something smart, and three, like more Tiffany Haddish. It's all it's good all around. I'm very. Happy I didn't know about Groupon it. was still going, but apparently they have five I mean, million. Hey, well, to if spend. any of you want to do a uh, fish market lunch before 11:30 a.m. with me uh, on a weekday that does not include Mondays or Fridays, <laughs> I've I've got you covered. Sixty percent <laughs> off. All right. Um, so nice. w- we'll definitely want to look forward to. I'm sure they're hoping she'll bring Will Smith along too, just in case. Hey, if you just want to bring him to the shoot, you know, we'll we'll pop him into the ad for a second. Uh, we've uh, see who else we got. Man, I'm going to blow through the last ones real quick. Uh, Skittles is doing uh, one of the more interesting Super Bowl stunts. They're creating a Super Bowl ad that only one person uh, will ever see. The agency is DDB. Uh, it's which makes it not a Super well, Bowl ad. There will be a Super Bowl ad, but yes, they will not be showing <laughs> that. So, yeah, it's, it gets meta pretty fast. They're, uh, are, wait, are they actually going to air something on the game? I thought they weren't uh, going to. Well, they're, sh- they're no, making an they're ad not. where they show the guy watching the Super Bowl ad. Oh, it's yeah, on Facebook Live. Yeah, but that's on Live. Facebook okay. Live. So, I don't think I don't yeah. think they're actually buying any time. They're just on the sneaking Super Bowl. into our Super no, Bowl ad not. tracker on a technicality. Just by <laughs> they're pulling a they're pulling they're a new buy like you should at least buy like a regional spot to show the guy watching it in. But but yeah, that's a good question. Oh, Look, man, great. it's kind it's of fun. Yeah. It, is, it is fun. I mean, it it's uh, it's uh, what was the uh, alcohol movie that was locked away for a hundred years? You know, the yeah, I think it was called a hundred years. Brandy. The uh, uh, movie that's no one's ever going to see and who's alive right now. Yeah, the Malkovich movie. <laughs> they put it in the Disney <laughs> the, vault. The darkest corner of the Disney vault. Um, 
that'll only be accessible after the the nuclear w- wasteland. <laughs> you dig it up. <laughs> There's a bottle of bottle of Hennessy here <laughs> and some copies of Aladdin. <laughs> um, all right, uh, Lexus is coming back. Kraft is going to make their Super Bowl debut, but I think we've covered most of the big ones. Uh, so, all right, so stay tuned and keep an eye on Adweek.com for lots more. Of man, it's the flood is just starting. So keep an eye on Adweek.com. All right, it's time to talk about. The best ad of the week, which, man, Super Bowl keeps coming. All right, let's do it. Tim, I intentionally left out one point of discussion. So what did you want to talk about this week? Well, so I think we've managed to not talk about this for the entire last six (laughs) months, which is kind of surprising. But I wanted to talk about a campaign um, that broke last year, went viral thanks to a certain catchphrase. I'm sure you guys know which phrase I'm talking about. Dilly 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 dilly. (laughs) <laughs> so Christina is too Christina. cool for school <laughs> mad at the brands uh, mad at the brands yeah. um, so dilly dilly everybody knows it's this Bud Light catchphrase uh, widening Kennedy New York campaign uh, a new spot broke this week but I kind of wanted to talk about the whole campaign going back to August because it really is the one ad uh, lately that's really kind of broken into the culture. I don't know if everyone loves the campaign or not. Um, but, you know, I've seen this firsthand quite a bit. Um, my kids cheer each o- cheers each other at the dinner table with their milk by saying <laughs> dilly dilly. And I swear I never, ever said a single word to them about this commercial. Or, you know, they just, um, they watch a lot of football in the fall. <laughs> and uh, they just, they completely caught on to it on their own. And uh, I was actually at an ad club of Maine event last night. And one of the speakers there did the whole dilly dilly thing. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger of the Steelers did a dilly dilly audible this fall. It's just one of those things where, you know, it's all over the place. So um, the banquet spot, uh, which was the first ad in the series, is actually broke all the way back in August. And that's that kind of set this whole thing in motion. And I think that banquet spot's amazing. It's it's um, it's kind of like perfect beer advertising. <laughs> like it's stupid, but it's like really well done stupid. Um, it kind of insults your intelligence, but like in a way that you almost enjoy. Um, you know what I mean? It's one of those. I mean, it's I don't know. So anyway, banquet broke, <laughs> and then there was a few other ones in the fall, and now um, Anheuser Busch obviously can't. Uh, can't let something like dilly dilly go so they're gonna they've, they've turned it into this what they're calling a super bowl yeah. trilogy so um i think a spot right on christmas day a spot broke with the wizard turning stuff into bud light inside the castle and then just this past monday uh the the second spot in this trilogy broke and it's suddenly we're outside the castle for the first time and all the the king is leading his band of, of villagers into battle mm-hmm. and he they're very small group uh they're outnumbered like 20 to 1 but for this other army and the king gives this like really really terrible speech uh pep talk you know kind of like uh henry v at agincourt kind of thing and um basically he's you know it's clear they're gonna get slaughtered but he's but eventually at the end he points out to uh well actually why don't we play a clip because i think the clip will explain it a little better dilly dilly sure we may be outnumbered 20 to 1 they may have more men, more horses, and their horses may be faster and more intelligent than ours. They have arrows with fire, which uh, probably don't hurt more than the regular ones. And unlike them, we have very little training. Um, look, I'm going to level with you guys. We're out of Bud Light. And they have some! So dilly dilly! Dilly dilly! 
So this is part two, and then of course, uh, in a, in uh, on the Super Bowl, we'll get part three of this trilogy. And I don't know what you guys think of this campaign. I, I'll be honest; I was considering it for to, for the ten best for one of the ten best ads last year. I think it actually is really, really well done as far as beer advertising goes, and it doesn't bother me that they're continuing it. I don't think it's totally beaten into the ground yet. Um, and I think the I'm looking forward actually to the to the Super Bowl spot and see what they do with it. I would like to know what Diana thinks because um, you guys may not be as aware of this, but everyone in the office is. She is loyal to one beer brand mm-hmm. beyond any other brand. I'm not going to say what does brand it come that in a, is, but does it's it come not, in a chalice? Like, um, no, no, no. It comes in. Does it come no. in a paper cup? <laughs> <laughs> it comes in an aluminum can. Um, but you know, is, is this an ad or a meme situation that could sway your beer considerations? To order a different beer yeah. than my yeah. beer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I mean that's tough. If my beer is available, I don't think I could. But I mean, I guess to shout dilly dilly or to get someone to say dilly dilly to me. I I I love dilly dilly. I love seeing the comments in HQ every day, just all the teams saying dilly dilly. Uh, I never want it to die. And I cannot wait for the Super Bowl ad. I mean, how are they going to top it? What are they going to do? It, it has to be completely different. And I want to see dilly dilly in different time periods. So we've seen medieval. Like, I want to see, like, New York City 1950s dilly dilly. I want to see dilly dilly everywhere. I hope Widening Kennedy is listening right now because it would be great if you just predicted their Super Bowl ad. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> like dilly dilly. I think the, the Super Bowl ad. I think the Super Bowl ad is going to continue the. Uh, it'll pick up where the last ad left off. More medieval. Let's put it that way. Yes, it'll be. It'll be so, medieval. So you yes. mentioned in your write up of the uh, the newest one that uh, was it. Miriam Webster had come out had tweeted that yes, it's a real word. Yes, I mean it's, they're getting mentions all over the place. You know, the, the uh, somebody in the Colorado legislature opened the, the new year of of the the, uh, the state assembly by saying "dilly dilly." I mean, it's it's all over the place. It, it's crazy. Um, you know, the, the the question I have is how how it's really doing for Bud Light. I mean, Christina and I talked a little bit about this earlier this week. Um, it's hard to say. Like, obviously. It's got an amazing cultural impact in terms of mentions on social media, uh, things like that. I I just wonder, we don't, I haven't seen the sales numbers really go up. Um, And and my, my, you know, what I suspect is that um, a viral catchphrase like Dilly Dilly uh, might not actually do that much for a brand like Bud Light, which is, has enormous brand awareness already. Uh, I don't know if Dilly Dilly does that much to make people want to drink it who don't already drink Bud Light, um, you know. But having said that, obviously it can't be a bad thing to have people talking about your commercial constantly. So I think it probably reinforces the brand on some level. A lot of brand affinity; those numbers kind of go up as well. I'd just be curious to see over the next three to six months, like what their sales. Well, we we ran like. an article a while back that's kind of stuck with me about one of the biggest impacts of Super Bowl advertising is that the brands that do well in the Super Bowl are remembered over the long term by people who have who host parties uh, for sports you know whatever sport it is like if you have a party to have people over to watch sports that that the brands that advertise in the Super Bowl are ones you remember even if you don't remember that that's why 
you think of them. And so it was an academic study. I mean, this is not just like some random survey. This was one where they actually followed over the course of like two years the impact of Super Bowl ads. And I'm going off memory, so I'm probably getting some of it wrong. But I remember that they said that people were more likely to buy those products because when you're at the grocery store and you're like, okay, I'm having people over for the big game. What do I buy? You know, whatever that big game is, you're going to think of these certain brands because that's what people are going to associate with a sporting, you know, a sporting event, and that that does yeah. end, end up having a big impact on sales because, you know, like those weekends tend to be yeah, huge. So, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. That's I, think about. I mean, one, you know, one out of six beers drunk in America today is a, is a Bud Light. So when you have that kind of market penetration to begin with, um, I think it's difficult to grow that, you know, especially with the with the pressures that are on the big beer uh, manufacturers lately. Having said that, they're they're obviously trying to, you know, I spoke to to Bud Light this week about the campaign, and they're, you know, they're they're doing in store displays to try to get people to connect the creative on TV with the product in the store. They're putting up, you know, dilly dilly signage everywhere. So they're really trying to, you know, they're really trying to go to the point of sale and, and have this make a difference at the, at the cash register. And I guess we'll just see how I, I think how we're definitely at the tipping point where people are only going to start saying it ironically soon. You know what I mean? Like every catchphrase hits a tipping point where you can't say it unironically. What's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they do compare oh, it to yeah, What's yeah. Up, actually. Really? Like Bud Light. Bud Light's like, this is our What's Up and we're going to ride it forever. I mean, do you? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Tim, <laughs> for recapping. That was a good good uh, kind of b- combo of the week's uh, ad worth watching and, uh, you know, something we're going to see in the Super Bowl. So it's on to our big discussion of the week. All right. This week uh, we're going to talk. Uh, we've burned up most of our time talking about Super Bowl, but we still got a little time to talk about kind of the best of branded storytelling. And this is something that we created an award. I believe last year was the f- inaugural year for it. That's correct. Uh, the ARC Awards. Uh, and that's A-R-C as in like a story arc. Uh, they were created to because we basically saw a big gap in there was no. You know, we even we have a different award. We have uh, Project Isaac, which celebrates invention in in marketing, but there was really nothing for storytelling. Um, and uh, this one, Christina, how do you how have you felt? You know, watching two years now, and we've we've partnered with Sundance to kind of present uh, a lot of this there. Uh, you, you know, how do you feel about kind of the the benefits of creating an award at, uh, along these lines? I should clarify, we've partnered with Brand Storytelling, which happens the same time as Sundance and is like sort of associated with Sundance. But um, I actually, I spoke with this woman who worked for Sundance at uh, the ANAs and she was like, no, no, (laughs) that's adjacent. (laughs) We we, we are (laughs) Sundance adjacent. (laughs) she was like it's one of those sanctioned events and i was like all right we don't really need to get into this but who knows look i'm using it right now um but anyway uh yeah i mean storytelling it's important um how you do it obviously merits breaking down and and getting into i think what's interesting about these awards and the way that we approach them is that um i think you have to get into the strategy a little bit because it's not just about the story. It's about how you tell the story, why you choose to tell it that way. And so I appreciate that. Um, 
So it ends up, you know, um, being like little mini case studies. And we don't really cover case studies all that much, so, so it's, it's kind of cool. You know, when I see a, it's a seven-minute clip and I just, ugh, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I have to really, even if it's great, that's just so self-indulgent. What I've enjoyed about the winning, the winners, and maybe this is just part of how we categorized it, is that it's, those are in there, and there certainly are long-form videos. Uh, but because we broke it up into these categories, like best use of live streaming, best sponsored content, best use of VR, it really kind of made for some interesting um, changing definitions of what we mean by storytelling. Because honestly, I think like these days, Dilly Dilly is actually a good example of you have to be able to tell a story, and maybe it works in one ad. Or maybe it works in three ads, or maybe you run it for six years. You know what I mean? It's like you're you're tying together something that is not a necessarily a direct narrative, but it feels like you're part of an ongoing story. And so, you know, we've we've seen some of this. so some of these we're going to talk about. People may you know their first reaction may be how is that storytelling? But I think that's what's actually great about it is that brands, in some cases, were a little opportunistic in seeing something and saying, oh, we could turn that into. A story we could make this into something, um, or we can you know put a twist on this idea. So let's just kind of dive in. I, I pulled out a few. Uh, there are quite a few. So if you look for ARC awards, that's ARC awards and Adweek, you will find all of them. Uh, but I was just going to throw out a few that jumped out at me, and the panel can certainly uh, jump in with others. Uh, one that I thought was funny was in best use of viral was Nugs for Carter, the the uh, the most retweeted tweet of all time, uh, 3.5 million retweets. This of course is the 16 year who asked Wendy's how many uh, retweets he would need to get to, to get, what was it, a year or a lifetime's worth of uh, chicken nuggets? I think a year. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely So he a wasn't year. overly ambitious, um, but uh, they told him, what, like 14 million or something like that. <laughs> he did not reach that. He got 3.5 million retweets. But at some point, the thing kind of picked up steam organically, but then Wendy's did kind of get involved. Their agency, VML, their, you know, obviously Wendy's social team is pretty fantastic, but they turned this thing into, or they helped turn it, I don't know if the brand gets all the credit, but they helped turn it into something where it's, you're just like, wow, how far can this thing go? And it just kept generating more. The kid ended up on Ellen, you know, they they built a whole media plan out of him, you know, basically them giving him the early victory. Uh, if I remember right, Christina, you're kind of on the fence about this one. <laughs> like, what's your take on Nugs for Carter in retrospect now? I'm not a fan. Why not? not a fan. It's fun. He's fun. Yeah, poor guy. He's just trying to get his Nugs, and Christina just just won't let him. I'd be like a kid who's kind of bratty, demanded free food from a fast food company, which said, "Yes, bratty kid, if you can get." Many retweets for your brattiness. Free food for you. I don't know how much of a story that is. Like, we talk about storytelling. I mean, isn't the story... Like, if you were going to tell someone about that, you'd be like, hey, did you see the guy that got, you know, a year's worth of nugs for all these retweets? And that's the end of the story. Well, it's kind of like act one of a story. Yeah. So he got the nuggets. Does he gain 30 pounds in the next year? Like, I want to check in on Carter exactly. after the year is done. No, I mean, to me, you know, you've got anyone who studies literature knows that you've got, you know, your classic stories of man versus man, man versus nature, man versus God. And now, you know, man versus Wendy's and, and just the impossible odds <laughs> of what one human <laughs> this is not a David versus no, Goliath really tale. It is not that. I'm not crediting. No, this is just this is just clever yeah, real time I'm not, I'm, responses. 
like I'm on not social media. Carter. Any more credit than he needs. All right. Well, another uh, fun one in the best use of live streaming. I totally missed this one. Tim, had you seen this one, the the Rake of Vodka spot? You probably yes. wrote about it. Yeah. Yes, we did write about this one. Yeah, I, I can't read it. We write a lot of stuff. <laughs> we do. Yeah. We I, did, do. I actually totaled <laughs> it up once. We created like 350 pieces of content in a week. So whenever I feel bad that I miss something, I'm just like, we, we make a lot of content. Um, the So Rake of Vodka in uh, Iceland had hosted a two-hour live stream around the holidays thanking they they uh, had a super fan come in and uh, wish happy holidays to every single person in Iceland uh, which there are 320,000 people so that would be a long list but thankfully there are only 4,512 approved Icelandic names which I think are just first names so he just sat and read every single uh, first name over the course of two hours. So not the world's most ambitious thing to, to squeeze it into two hours. They packed in uh, quite a few little moments of having people come in and interrupt him and the lights changing and all sorts of stuff. Ended up with more than 500,000 people watching it, which for a, a brand that relatively small uh, and uh, from an agency, Red Tedmer O'Connell and Partners, which uh, is, um, oh man, uh, Philadelphia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're they're in Philly. You know, it's just kind of interesting, not the kind of brands or, uh, you know, that that you would expect to get that big. Um, But, again, I think it really pushes that. And I I wouldn't begrudge anyone who says, you know, that's not really storytelling. I I think they found a way to build live streaming into something that, to me, is more interesting than, like, what uh, Snickers did around the Super Bowl of here's a 24-hour live stream leading up to our ad. I really had no interest in watching that. I I would have tuned in for this if I had seen it. but is it storytelling? No. <laughs> kind of up for debate. Yeah. You know, Rob Schwartz over at um, TBWA did a really interesting uh, presentation at Advertising Week a few years back uh, about storytelling. And he, he his idea was that there are actually seven archetypal stories and that um, brand, brand spots can fit almost all of like almost every brand story fits one of them. It was really interesting. That's worth checking out. It's somewhere on our website. But I remember the um, examples were like overcoming the monster is one. You know, this is like Beowulf, David and Goliath, those like archetypal stories. And like, you know, Apple did that with 1984. It's the same same idea. And then the next one is Rebirth. Uh, there's Quest. There's Journey and Return. There's Rags to Riches. And then there's Tragedy and Comedy. And Rob's point was that, you know, every, every brand... Um, spot that you look at has one of these seven themes in it. And I think that's a really interesting way to look at storytelling. I mean, I don't know where Nugs for Carter would fit into that. I suppose that's Quest. Exactly. It is a Quest. Like Lord of the Rings. Like Lord of the Rings is a classic example of the Quest type of story. And and examples in advertising are like IBM, you know, trying to make a smarter planet, Mm. uh, for example. Um but yeah, it's an interesting way to think about about what kinds of stories your brands are your brand is telling. Um, I wanted to jump really quickly to best use of VR, which is a little more in the traditional space. But I, I thought uh, you know it's it's already getting a little old that like uh, enemy has been for years that when VR says look if you put on this VR headset you can do a thing that you couldn't normally do. And I remember like the first few times I saw those at award shows and stuff, everything was just you can go to Mars, you can go underwater, you can you know I'm just like yeah yeah. I'm I mean, that's literally the entire point of VR. So it's not like I'm going to be bowled over by that. I think a nice twist on that was Samsung as part of their a campaign along those lines called uh, hashtag do what you can't. Um, 
created a spot with a Polish man who had trained as a cosmonaut, trained to be a cosmonaut in the early 1970s, but never got to go into space. Uh, and so they used VR to let him experience uh, being up in space uh, through you know real footage uh, up in uh, you know space station. And you know it's just very touching. But in terms of storytelling, like this is a guy who I had never heard of. And so yes, it's just VR footage of being in space. But that's not a story. The story here is that there's a guy and what's, you know, maybe it's personal for me because my mom trained to be the first American woman in space and ended up not getting to go. Uh, So, you know, that's one where it had a very personal connection for me. But I think even if you're not that literally connected to a story like this, uh, you know, it's it's just very human and very touching. And and it, it. Kind yeah, of a, a real cool take on the Audi ad, right? With the the rocket ship with like the fake astronaut reenacting his days by riding in an Audi. <laughs> yeah, this is a little more a little more believable. Um, well, those are some of some of my favorites. Uh, Christina, Diana, wh- which ones jumped out to you? Uh, I love the top. That was what I was gonna say. Beautiful, beautiful spot. It's really well done storytelling, like really, Mm -hmm. really well done. Uh, That's the PNG spot. Um, It's like a two minute short depicting black parents having a talk or the talk with their children throughout the years uh, about racism and societal prejudice. Um, It's affecting. What's interesting about that one. Yeah, what's interesting about that. And that was on our top 10 uh, ads of, of 2017. Uh, Procter and Gamble actually bought uh, time on Blackish. Um, they bought dialogue and a plot on the, on Blackish just this oh, week. That gave me chills just thinking uh, about to, to continue to to continue the talk uh, on that show. Which and and we've amazing. talked about it on the show before, but that is just such a gutsy move. I saw actually I saw someone tweeting today about how much she hates it when people say brands are brave. She's like, you know, being a brand isn't brave. Like doing things isn't brave. And you know, people who soldiers and firefighters are brave. I was just like, yeah, but this was brave. <laughs> you know, like when you're a major consumer brand and you basically have mm-hmm. uh, literally have not basically literally have a section where they're talking about, you know, if you get pulled over by police, you may not come home alive. That's not something brands say lightly. And, and I'm sure I think took a lot of bravery on their part. But it's also like if you hear Mark Pritchard talk about it, he does talk about it from a business sense where he'll say, you know, um, if if we reach equality in in terms of sexism and race, that that is good for business because then that means that those people are able to make more money and then spend more money. Like there is a business sense to Uh, it. Tim, any others that jumped out at you? Uh, You know, I I enjoyed the thing that... um, uh, that Carlsberg did at, at TEDx uh, last year, where they, they they put a hologram of their founder uh, up, who gave a you know who gave a uh, TED speech like 200 years after he died or whatever. I thought that was interesting, you know, an interesting way to bring you know the brand's history to life. And, and uh, that's the other thing about storytelling today. You know, it's really it's it's really become about telling your own story as a brand, whether whether it's your actual history or what your brand values are uh, versus kind of a more random story that then you throw your you know your your brand on at the end or whatever and i think uh you know i don't think it was the most revolutionary thing in the world but uh uh, fcb happiness in brussels did did that uh carlsberg stunt and i thought you know i thought it was pretty neat you know the the guy went on to talk about you know everything that uh carlsberg kind of believes in and and i thought that was really well executed 
I, I think my uh, my one beef with that uh, that that stunt uh, I don't know what you call it stunt campaign video has gotten uh, you know it was in the Epco Awards when I was a juror uh, and it comes up in a lot of different award shows. It's just that it is a hologram of a dead man presenting at TEDx, which you would be like cool, except that it's a hologram of an actor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's the same. Yeah, they haven't actually been able to reanimate it's the, same. the dead folks yet. Well, yeah, if you can't reanimate the dead, I don't want to hear about your <laughs> TEDx speech. <laughs> I, I take it you didn't like Orville Denbacher. <laughs> oh, man, that's either. a good callback. Uh, yeah, But you know what I mean? It's like they made such a big fuss out of like we have a hologram of our founder all these years after his death. I'm like, well, no, you have a hologram of an actor who's just backstage. Like that actor literally could have walked out on stage <laughs> and given the exact same speech. There's literally nothing different. It, but what you know it's clever i just kind of got hung up on that because they kept making such a fuss of the hologram i'm like the hologram is worthless like it doesn't the do man anything is still on the ground he's not here but they did supplement it with a really nice video showing these scenes there's a fire and an elephant dying i don't know man there's a lot there's a lot that was going on with i liked it the carlsberg liked guy that. uh diana any others that uh, stuck out to you you know, I was so fixated on the talk, but that's... Uh... <laughs> that was going to be my one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought 1917 was really interesting as well. Uh, I oh, always yeah. like to yeah, think about one. what, how events would play out on social media if they existed at another time. And that was a really interesting execution that they did from uh, RT yeah, Moscow. Yeah, so this is RT, the, the Russian uh, uh, TV network, and they created a bunch of uh, Twitter accounts for famous figures from the Bolshevik Revolution. They called it 1917 Live. What if Twitter existed 100 years ago? Uh, and I'm a big junkie for historical Twitter accounts. We don't even have time to get into that right now. Maybe some <laughs> other episode. Uh, but I love the fact that they not only created these, but that they put it all together under an account called Russian Telegraph <laughs> as RT, which, which you know, made me set aside some of my beefs with RT for a few minutes to acknowledge that was pretty clever. Um, and, uh, yeah, they ended up with 170,000 tweets using the hashtag, 190,000 people following these accounts. And they had some fun with it. It was, certainly wasn't super serious. Uh, but, uh, you know, anything that gets people fired up about history and educates people, I'm, I'm a big fan, but especially to do that. I love those, like, live tweeting of the Titanic sinking. You know, any of that stuff. Just always always gets me uh all right well i definitely encourage everyone check out adweek.com look up the arc awards you can see so many more that we don't even have time to talk about lots of good ones uh and big thank you to diana and christina both for coming on this week uh, thank you as always to tim uh really enjoyed it and man we're gonna have so much more super bowl stuff so keep an eye out on adweek and of course follow us during the super bowl but we'll talk about that more soon all right, and you can email us at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. We love hearing from you. Our theme music is by Home. Uh, this week's episode was produced by Christina Monlos and edited by Josh Rios. Thank you, Christina. Thank you, Josh. Please take a moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they also help new audiences discover the show. I'm David Greiner with Adweek, and we'll talk to you next week. This episode was brought to you by Accenture Interactive. Accenture Interactive is hyper-focused on offering new, connected experiences that flex to accommodate individual needs. See how we're creating greater experiences now at AccentureInteractive.com.